The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Hey, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number two of the Weekly Harvest podcast for the week of December 16th. As we get a little closer to the holiday season, I'm Brandon Crow, the voice of the Brandon Weekings on Q Country Radio. I'm Chris Falco, the director of game day operations for the Brandon Weekings, as well the in arena voice of the Weekings. And what a week for us to be getting to do this, uh, talk about what happened on Friday. Uh, that was one of the most entertaining games of the year, uh, maybe even a couple of years, uh, and uh, kind of what's coming up and the guests that we have. We've got a real, real big week here. Tough night to be a goaltender for the Moose Jaw Warriors on Friday night, uh, and that's kind of where we wanted to, to kick things off. Uh, obviously, we've got a, a jam-packed show today with uh, you know General Manager Darren Ritchie joining us a little later on. It was nice to sit down with him uh, and just kind of have a conversation because a lot of times when I talk to him, it's very interview-esque and very, you know, um, I, I don't even know how it's very business-like and news-like, whereas this was a lot more conversational, like three guys uh, sitting around a, a coffee table. It was it was a lot different than normal. I don't know if I've ever been in a situation, even all the years working uh, with, with Darren Ritchie, that I've actually had a conversation like that. It was real nice to hear some just stories. Uh, you we could have gone on forever. About his first impressions, which you're, you're, you're going to hear, but for fans of the of those mid-'90s uh, teams, um, there's a lot of very fun little stories in there that, that we kind of got to hear for the first time ourselves. And uh, No, he's uh, it's me a, a great, great guest coming up here today. And he also said he'll join us at the trade deadline or the first show kind of after the trade deadline. We don't know what's going to happen. but Which, even if nothing, I don't care, if nothing happens, we're going to get him yeah. back on, and we're going to just talk more about those kind of stories because, uh, no, it was great. It was great. But, uh, yeah, just we got a lot to get through today. Let's start with Friday night. Of course, you got the Moose Jaw Warriors coming in, division rivals, a team that's behind you in the standings. You're chasing Saskatoon. Uh, they were in action that night as well. And, of course, it was the teddy bear toss game. And, you know, everyone gets excited for it. I know the players were fired up. Uh, you know, the coaching staff, you guys in the office, everyone was placing bets on who was going to get the goal. And all of a sudden, two minutes, 59 seconds in, bingo. Ridley Gregg scores the goal. Here come the Bears. Just a, a building that there were a lot of people who weren't even in their seats yet, and all of a sudden the Bears were flying. It's uh, I know for a fact that the players, they have this game circled for a while. Uh, guys will fight through sickness to play in this. Uh, I know for a fact that happened with multiple players this year. They were not going to miss this game. Uh, it's real special to be a part of. Um, and when you get into that atmosphere with that crowd, with that uh, with, with with that noise, um, it's one of the most memorable games that they're going to play of their lives, especially the ones that are on the ice for when the goal actually hits. 4,479 fans, second biggest crowd of the year other than the home opener. And t- the fact that it happened so early, there was already a ton of energy. Brandon dominated in the first basically three minutes of the hockey game leading up to that goal. I was a little worried, though, and not a knock on your staff. You guys did a great job cleaning up, but I always feel like after the teddy bear toss goal, it's a bit of a momentum killer a little bit. Mm-hmm. Brandon came out flying. All of a sudden, they get the goal, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, here you go, and then you got to wait about 10, 11 minutes to clean up. That was not the case. They scored 46 seconds after the cleanup ended and just kept rolling to a five-goal first period. Well, it was 4 nothing by the time the first TV timeout hit, which is kind of outrageous. I mean, we have a lot of stuff we have to get through in our game day presentation, <laughs> and when all that happens, including teddy bear toss, it was... Uh, 
more than a little chaotic. Uh, not quite like uh, 2013 when Renee Hunter, he scored 29 seconds in. There was still a lot of fans in the walk-up lineup. That game had its own issues because people started throwing the teddy bears after the second goal because they, <laughs> they were a little bitter that they kind of had to miss it. Uh, but, uh, you know, that three minutes in, still kind of early, but it was, it was nice to get it out of the way and then they could focus on the game. But you're right, as soon as they got back, there was no momentum lost. Um, just over 12 minutes, by the way, on the hockey offside to kind of clean up. So for us, that was, yeah, you guys did a great that was pretty good. That was pretty good, um, considering kind of some of the issues we have with the arena and the netting and the way the flow goes. But uh, we did what we could. It was a lot of fun uh, and a lot of Bears collected. Uh, and not just the Bears, but we always love to see this too a lot of this year. The mitts, the toques, um, the, the the coats like you mentioned. There's more ski pants. The winter items for the donations. Yep. But uh, it was great this year. Phenomenal response. The fans love it. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, walking into the building, you see all the, it's funny, you see all the uh, the fans trying to lug these giant Bears in, these uh, giant uh, stuffed lines. There was one lady uh, that works for Forbidden Flavors that was walking in right when I was kind of getting ready and she had this giant bear. I said, how are you going to get that thing over the class. She said, I'm not sure. I might just give it to a kid. But this thing was about the size of it. It was hilarious. But uh, Luca Berzan that night as well. We talked about Ridley Greg. He had two goals. But Luca Berzan against his former team, a hat trick, three assists, was excellent. Ben McCartney, a goal and three assists. You know, Marcus Kelly and Kelly gets his first as a weak king. Three-point night for him. Uh, just a huge night all around for everybody. Everybody was clicking. Probably from the players' perspective, one of the most fun games of the year when everybody's chipping in, and uh, we'll hear from Luca uh, and Ridley here uh, on the post-game conversation. Yeah, I think uh, we played a full 60 minutes. Uh, I thought we, uh, you know, stuck to our plan, and, uh, used our speed, and got pucks behind their demon. And uh, you know, I think uh, overall we played really well, and um, I don't think we lost a lot of shifts. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk us through that first goal you scored right after the uh, teddy bear toss, and how important that was. Yeah, obviously with the teddy bear toss, it, you know, sometimes you get a little off task or uh, distracted. But I think that next goal was important. Uh, our taller line, like you know, got to stay focused uh, after this, and all the guys too. So uh, yeah, it was it was important to get that next goal. How nice is it from a personal standpoint to get not only six points but to get it against the Moose Jaw Warriors? Yeah, you know, I thought uh, it, it definitely feels good playing a former team. You get those two points. I think every time we play them. Uh, up a little more and uh you know i want to beat those guys every time you play them but yeah i think uh our team did really well tonight and um yeah i'm proud of the guys yeah you know i guess i you know i definitely thought about it a little bit uh you know obviously goody got it last year and it's a pretty cool experience uh you know just good to, good to get it one describe the play to us uh, i was on the power play and uh i think schneid's had it up top and just hit me for a one-timer so how do you feel like what's that moment like when the teddy bear starts laying down <laughs> Yeah, you know, obviously it's uh, pretty cool, you know, when they start to come over the glass, uh, you know, just a really surreal moment for me, uh, you know, it feels good. One of the best times of the year, <laughs> and uh, it was great. You guys are going to do some great things with those Bears as well. Do, do you have a total count yet, or is it rough ballpark? What, what did we collect for? Yeah, it was a little over 2,000 uh, were, were, were collected, but then plus on top of that, there was hundreds of the donations. Again, there was the, the hats. There was, uh, I, I wish I had her name. When we get back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the name for the next podcast to, to, to give them credit. Um, there's one individual in particular, knits from January to December, and then donates them, and, wow. d- and and then has done it through us for the last couple of years for this game. Had two boxes of mitts and toques 
It's that's fantastic. It's, it's phenomenal. But no, the, the the response is always great. Um, so now, like all of the hampers that go out for Christmas cheer, they're all going to have uh, at least one stuffy in it uh, at the traditional Christmas dinner that happens at the Vic Inn every year, uh, noon to six o'clock on Christmas Day. If you know anyone uh, who doesn't have somewhere to go, doesn't have a meal to eat, uh, has kids who won't be able to get presents, please make sure to take them there. Uh, it's a free meal. Everyone's welcome. Uh, they'll be there as well. Plus, we do make the hospital visits as well with the players. Uh, normally, the local players because it's either going to be uh, we're recording this today on the Monday. It's either going to be today uh, or probably on Wednesday uh, after the players have done their game, which technically is already on their break. But local players, they, they love yeah. doing this, right? So they, they understand the importance of it. So um, it all goes to a great cause. So that moves Brandon to one game below 500, now above 500 at home for the first time this season with one game left uh, Tuesday uh, against Winnipeg in Winnipeg. And uh, you wanted to touch on one more thing before we get to Darren Ritchie. How about the ticket promotions this year? Some fans have been going Seriously. home with some gold this year. Six times the Weekings have scored at least five, four times at least six, uh, four times seven goals. Fans are going home every night with a pocket full of goodies. I was made fun of heading into Friday's game. My my <laughs> gaslight came on Thursday, and I don't know. I just had a good feeling. It was Teddy Bear Toss Night. I put in $5 of gas. The exact comment was, Falco, are you in high school? Like, who puts in $5 <laughs> of gas? Because my light came on. I didn't want to run out, but I, I like to save money when I can and take advantage. When we score six goals, the fact that, the, so the five, six, seven is fantastic. Uh, five, you get the Domino's five. Six, the Heritage Co-op six. You get to save six cents off every liter of gas the next day. Alto 7, you save the 7 bucks on the Alto's dinner buffet. But that night, on top of that, Ridley Gregg was the score import player. That hit for the first time this year, so people saved money on their beers. Uh, plus, we had uh, Burzan, as uh, all the Burzan burgers, you're saving money on that. He scored a hat trick, the hat trick combo, so you saved 30% on hats. So many Christmas gifts were bought that night because <laughs> of the hat trick promo. Uh, we sold dozens and dozens of hats afterwards. Uh, but no, all those built in promotions that help really create even more value in your Wheat King ticket, when you add all those up, you're saving more than what you paid for your ticket at a walk-up price. I know that I was it's walking incredible. around trying to find tickets that people had dropped because I don't have a game ticket, and I yeah. was like, I, I could use it. I could you use a little savings. A, a Wheat King ticket, if they score enough, it is a very valuable commodity for you to save. Uh, no, it was a fantastic game. That was one of the most fun. And you mentioned the big game against Winnipeg. The next three games three are straight. against Winnipeg. So they play now, then right after Christmas, the back-to-back. We're in the standings. This is a big, big, big a couple of uh, six points coming up. Uh, we got to get into the interview with Darren yep. Ritchie. Now, before we do, just want to give a heads up. So this was recorded. I uh, literally gonna, gonna want to give Brandon Crow kudos. He's a volunteer firefighter. <laughs> and when we were going to record this interview, he was called on scene and showed up about 30 seconds before we had to push record <laughs> because of the time window that we had with Darren Ritchie. So the audio quality, we could only do a mic check for so for so much. Uh, it's episode two. We promised that to going forward, we're going to iron out some wrinkles, but uh, there was no way we we're going to redo this because the candid conversation that we had, it was uh, just one of the best interviews we could have asked for with Darren Ritchie. Yeah, sorry so I was late, guys. You were, oh, you, you were doing your thing, off saving lives, being, oh, being, being crow. Well, you were, though. I, so I was just here. late. <laughs> that was just the excuse I told you. No. Okay. Here we are with the GM of the Brandon Wee Kings, Darren Ritchie. Well, it's the second week of the Weekly Harvest podcast, and I thought, honestly, it was going to take a lot longer to twist his arm to get him to come and join <laughs> us. But uh, very glad that we can, we can get former Wee King player 
current general manager of the Brandon Wheat Kings, Darren Ritchie. Darren, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Quite uh, happy to be here. Yeah, he, you know, he said to me, "Let's get let's get Rich on the podcast," and I said, "Okay, good luck," because uh, <laughs> I said I've been trying to get him on the radio, and every time I do, you try and pawn it off on someone else. So uh, I like it. I like that you're in the hot seat. Well, we'll see how this goes, but I'm uh, no, it's good. I, you guys are doing a good job. Listen to the first. Uh, podcast last week and uh more than happy to come on and talk hockey with you guys so first rich let's just kind of just go through the background uh just kind of talk about growing up in manitoba your junior career and kind of what led you into playing first of all for the Wheat kings was playing in winnipeg with the hawks uh my story is a little different than most guys i was a Wheat king probably twice i was uh listed back then you didn't have draft so uh i got listed by the the Wheat Kings, and then played uh, four games as a 16-year-old, and then obviously that summer uh, the Tacoma Rockets came into our league, and they had an expansion draft, and I was left unprotected. I was picked up uh, by Tacoma, went to uh, their their camp in the fall, and uh, was sent home, I think about a month into the season, went and played Junior A, and was playing with the St. Boniface Saints in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And uh, Kelly uh, came and watched me play on a Tuesday night, told my dad that they were trying to get me. And I think he phoned us the next night and said that they <laughs> had got my uh, my rights. So I ended up uh, back with the Wheat Kings. I, came, I went right to Brandon right after uh, the trade and spent the rest of the year uh, with the Wheat Kings. So what was your first impression of Kelly McCrimmon? Because back then you're a young kid and all of a sudden you've got this guy who's, I mean, in in his career he was kind of just getting into the the gm coaching sort of thing as well in the early 90s what was your first impression of him as a manager in in the hockey world well really smart guy uh, i could tell that he had a plan for for our team and at that time uh, we were a real young team we had uh, <clears throat> we only won 11 games that year but uh, the pieces that he brought in you could tell that we were going to be uh, good in the coming years it was going to be a tough year that first year with us and i thought uh, you know, he always uh, was a positive guy, always was there for everybody that would help you know, with advice. And uh, at that time, he was just GMing. Uh, Kevin Maxwell was the coach. So, uh, and Mark Johnson was assistant coach. So we had good people to help you. And he was always there for anybody on our team. Didn't matter if it was hockey or just life. He always made sure uh, he'd have time for the for his players. Do you remember your first impression of the Weeking organization itself? Well, I remember coming as a 15-year-old and Kevin Shevodayoff was uh, at camp and obviously a first-round NHL pick, you're in awe, and the man was a big, strong guy, and I just thought to myself, uh, how am I going to play in this? And <laughs> uh, and then getting called up that as a 16-year-old, Trevor Kidd was in net for warm-up, and I just remember coming home to my dad and saying, Dad, I'll, I'll never score a goal in this league. Like, he, he just, when I remember coming down the ice and just looking at, uh, trying to find somewhere to shoot it and and Trevor just took up the whole net and I just thought yeah I'm not going to score in this league and uh you know that was probably my uh luckily you were very wrong there <laughs> very very wrong <laughs> well I was fortunate enough to play with some pretty good players uh, moving forward <laughs> touching on that obviously you've had some great line mates over the years uh, arguably you know for you who was who is the best guy maybe not necessarily skill wise but who was your favorite uh, line mate that you had uh, you know in your time in Miranda pretty fortunate to play some real good players too right so uh you know obviously the first name that comes to mind is is marty uh, and marty was uh was a great a great player a great person a professional right through and through and marty murray uh, marty murray sorry uh yeah marty was uh the best player that we had on our team we would always 
uh, Bugham when we were 17. He was the best player then when he was 16. So uh, he's a great guy, still good friends with him. Uh, you know, Chris Dingman uh, obviously has gone on to do some really great things in hockey and, and probably didn't get enough credit for what he did for Marty and myself you know, being a big guy. And, and uh, he did do a lot of the dirty work for us and, and made it easier uh, for the two of us to to you know do what we were good at and that was the score and he, he didn't probably get enough credit uh, at this time in junior mark kolosar was another guy that uh went on and played some pro hockey that I, I played with on the same line and his speed uh was unbelievable and he would back guys off and not uh, being the best of skaters myself uh i would benefit from that because he would back people off and i would usually be trailing because i was so slow and uh <laughs> get a couple opportunities that way so we, we were lucky we, were, we had some good teams I, I, I could go on you know Brian McCabe would sometimes Bobby Lowe's would throw Brian McCabe up up forward with Marty and I to start a period and uh, it would be we would score a couple times uh, certain periods but he, he was a real good player as well Wait, so, Red. I, I could go on and on. We, yeah. we were very fortunate. You guys had a very, very good team back then. Yeah. Uh, so after your days of the Wheat Kings, you had a long, successful pro career. After your playing career was done, returning in the management side on the hockey ops, what was that decision like when the career was coming to a close? Was it something that you knew you wanted to get into? And was the opportunity with the Wheat Kings the first one that presented itself? Well, I was, uh, you know, when you play pro hockey, I, I did it for nine years and I was lucky. You stop. You don't know what. What what's next? And uh, it's funny. I'd always tell my buddies in Germany that I, I want to work for Canada Post. I I, I always <laughs> wanted to do that, so I did. I did it. I obviously worked for Canada Post I'm for five five years. And, and guys said, you know, you live in Manitoba, right? It gets cold <laughs> in the winter. But uh, I always wanted to work uh, for Canada Post and did. And then uh, Craig Anderson and Mark Johnson again uh, brought me on with the midgets, and uh, we had a real successful year. We had. Uh, Maddie Calvert, Shane Weeb, uh, we were lucky enough to win the league championship that year. And uh, then, then that summer, uh, I was going to take over the, the midget program. And Kelly called and asked if I would want to be a assistant coach, part-time assistant coach with the team. And jumped at it right, right away. And I thought it would be a great opportunity. Never, never thought about it when I was uh, playing, but I've always enjoyed that part of being with the guys, learning, helping kids get better, the players get better, get great relationships as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, now it's blossomed into this role with our organization, which I take a lot of pride in. And, uh, you know, it's, again, I'm still helping kids, uh, players on our team, and it's uh, it's really gratifying. As opposed to being in the GM chair watching from up in, in the suite or in the press box, do you miss the, the intensity that comes along with standing on the bench and, and hearing the conversations with the refs and the players and that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I like the compete battle. The you know Preparing for games was always something that I really enjoyed, watching another team trying to break down their their tendencies. Uh, I, do, I do miss that. I miss the interaction with the players one-on-one that you have after practice working on skills and stuff. I, I'm not going to lie, I miss that part. That's uh, That was always a great... Uh, uh, part of uh, what I always looked forward to. Uh, sometimes I wouldn't even, you know, I just worried about after practice, what was I going to do for the guys? So, uh, especially the days when we just did battle drills, I would always say to Kelly, well, why are we doing this? Like, uh, let's get skill, let's skill. <laughs> I understood we had to do it, but, uh, you know, that was a part I really enjoyed was being with the kids and, and working with them. So now you're in the new role with the GM. You've uh, now had over a full year in this role. While you took over, there was the new rules that kind of came in place with who you can and can't trade with the different ages. Have you found that a lot more difficult uh, in place to try to build your team for the future with the new restrictions? 
Well, it's uh, it's for sure tougher to do things uh, that way. But I, I we've always stressed here that uh, you got to draft well. You got to make sure you really draft well and develop your players. And I think uh, we've been fortunate enough to do a pretty good job of that here over the years. And that doesn't change. You got to you got to do that, and uh, you got to make sure you're picking the right guys and, and getting the right you know, recruiting your players to come play here is that's the that's your number one priority as a, a GM and as a, a head scout is you got to draft well would it be different let's let's go back to the 90s when you played and a lot of guys your age in the summertime they'd go play baseball or they'd go play golf and they weren't really worried about hockey now guys are playing year-round is it easier to scout now because there's more hockey maybe year-round more training more information on these kids than there was when you were 15 years old well there Nobody goes hiding now. Right. Everybody knows where everybody is now, so there's no the Ryan Pulaks of the world. The small town kids that right. played house league hockey. Exactly, where you, you'd have to go to Carberry or to Grandview or you know, and find those guys. Well, now they're all one-stop one shopping is more or less what it is with the, the academies because they're always at a weekend playing somewhere. Or now with the city leagues in Manitoba, uh, Parkland has just a team now that they play, so it's easier to... To find these players, there won't be anybody that you, you know, all of a sudden a guy team drafts a player and you're like, geez, where did that guy come from? You, you pretty much know uh, all the players now. The last trade you made, uh, Ryland Thiessen, a uh, local product, talk about that trade and kind of how that one came about because on the outside looking in, it looks like it's a steal of a deal with what he's already accomplished, even being so young. Well, he was uh, obviously, he was the best player in the playoffs last year and then went to the, the Western Regionals and by far, again, he was the best player there with the four best teams in Western Canada, sorry. Uh, he, he was dominant, and I, I just felt uh, that we can get him here. The, the local kids seem to uh, always be excited to be at home, and uh, he's got a lot of talent that uh, we want to keep pushing him, and uh, and he's going to fit in on our group where he's a part of what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, you got to always be patient with uh, the local guys because I think sometimes they, you know, they put a little more pressure on themselves, right? And we just want them to come in here and just be just like a regular uh, player that we have on our team and just uh, come and, and get better every day. I like to reflect back on local guys coming home and the difference in player they are. I go back to Matt Lowry. I don't know if you remember this one. When his two seasons with Medicine Hat, he had 22 points. He comes to Brandon his first year, he has 61. His second year, he has 77 points. And that's a kid that played junior A in Ipoh for a couple years, had a cup of coffee in Medicine Hat. All of a sudden, boom, he's coming home, he's an Ipoh kid, and he just... You know, he just shoots the puck, and every time it goes in the net, and I think there's something about it. Playing at home, you just you get more confidence. You're playing with people you know. But you look back at, at guys like that, Shane Weeb coming back for the Memorial Cup from Kamloops. It's always nice to see guys come home. It's better to see them when they have success at home as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Matt Lowry one is he went medicine hat, I believe. They won the league championship. Yeah, they went the, to the year before. Or, or right, sorry, they went to Memorial Cup. Yeah. Right. And, uh you know, I just remember the conversation Kelly was having with Willie. They, he wanted Matt to stay in the league and play, so he wanted to send him home. He thought that would be... So just a, trying to hang on, right? And yeah. All of a sudden, puts up 60. And then, <laughs> then we put him with, uh, I think it was with Andrew Clark and Tyler Dittmer, and they just, you know, went off, and it was perfect uh, match and made in heaven, really. And he was a great team guy. Oh, yeah. uh, he would stand up for his teammates uh, and... Uh, Oh, he did a great job. Like he was like a glue guy because he could work with the young guys, but he was like the middleman with the older guys. So he kind of kept everybody together, and he was great in the dressing room. Uh, I know him and Braden Shen were really close off the ice as well. So that's you know Braden is a young guy. He was an older guy, and I really thought that 
kind of helps our your room, right? Him and the Keith Ollies, they know how to bring the young guys in. So you never have to worry about your dressing room when you had Matt Lauer and Keith Ollie in your dressing room. They they took care of everybody. Well, we know it's a busy time coming up, coming around the Christmas break. And then, of course, trade deadline is just around the corner. Uh, the phone's been busy so far. They've been ringing. Well, everybody's uh, seeing what everybody's looking for or what they're doing. Uh, I think this year is a little different because there's a, everybody feels like they're still in it. There's no, right. there's there's no, runaways. no, there's no mm-hmm. runaways, and and there's so uh, I don't know how busy it'll be or not be. Uh, I know you know everybody's talking and and there's interest. It just uh, it's got to make sense uh, for the, both teams to to do anything. It's not like playing a video game where you just throw something out there. Your teams aren't giving away good players, right? No, they're not. And now, especially with your question earlier, Chris, about with the trade restrictions, it, it's harder to make trades mm-hmm. too now, right? So it's more more hockey trades that you'll probably see uh, going forward because you can't uh, move uh, younger guys because if they're under contract, uh, they can't be moved. So it's going to be probably more, you'll see more hockey p- trades. Well, we'll have to have you on after the trade deadline as well. Recap any potential moves that you do make. I know this is the last episode before the holidays. Uh, we'll kick back up in January. So we'll have to have you on after the trade deadline as well and just kind of recap uh, what you did. But uh, uh, certainly this was this was excellent. We could go on for an hour. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I'll uh, help you out anytime. Thanks for having me. I quite enjoyed it. That's Darren Ritchie, GM of the Brandon Wee Kings. Uh, what a guess for week number two. Really looking forward to having Darren back in uh, back in January. But right now we got to turn the page because we got some holiday hockey coming on up after the Christmas break. Coming up on December the 27th, your Wee Kings are back in action versus the Winnipeg Ice. Holiday hockey is always a lot of fun because people who obviously have moved on other parts of the country, other countries, come back in, visit family, take in the one weekend game maybe a year every couple of years that they that they can uh, they can get, get back to. It's usually one of those nights where you see a bunch of alumni in the crowd as well. I know last weekend uh, that uh, Lennon McCorster uh, was in the crowd uh, and Stelio Matheos watching the game. So you get a lot of those alumni guys, guys like Ty Lewis, Tanner Kaspik, all those guys, they bring all their buddies and uh, and come and watch. So it's four games and five nights coming out of Christmas break. So for me, that's a lot of work. For you, you got two of those four at home. Uh, and the first one, uh, it's the second of what would be three straight against Winnipeg. And then you've got uh, Regina, Moose Jaw, uh, Regina at home, and then in New Year's Eve on New Year's Eve in Moose Jaw. So you've got Winnipeg, Regina right after Christmas. Bang, bang, two games uh, back-to-back. Uh, a great opportunity to, to bring some family out to, to watch some weekend hockey. Of course, big rivals. I mean, Winnipeg, Regina, probably the weekend's two biggest rivals. So right around that time, it'll be... It'll be uh, uh, usually pretty big crowds um, just because it's, again, people coming back in and checking it out. Uh, Murray Auto Center presenting the game on Friday and then on Saturday, that, or the next game, sorry, not Friday, um, the next game on the Monday, that's when we're presenting with the Canadian Blood Drive. Everything we talked about with, with Kurt Jory last week. Um, so that's the, going to be that game. Then we quickly turn the page and Friday, January the 3rd is the annual Star FM Q Country Family Skate Night presented by Home Depot. So we have got a lot going on that night with the giveaways with like 1,500 mini sticks for the kids. Nice. Uh, plus we've got the, the family skate afterwards. So uh, kids, make sure to bring your skates, bring the helmets. Uh, there's going to be a skate check-in so you don't have to leave them in the freezing cold car, put them on cold. Just bring them inside just like a coat check. There's a skate check. So it's going to be a great couple of games there, but they all happen very quickly after Christmas. Yeah, it's crazy. The schedule, it's very travel-friendly for the Brandon Wheat Kings coming out of the Christmas break. Even to the end of the month of January, they don't really go on the road for anything more than a day trip here or there. So uh, from a from a schedule travel perspective, it, it's pretty uh, friendly for Brandon fans. There's a lot of home games here between now and the last week of January, and it all starts uh, right after Christmas. Uh, you know, after the Tuesday game, which uh, you know depends when you're listening to this, runs on December 17th, uh, that game will 
Let's open up a 10-day break for the Brandon Wheat Kings and then bang, right back into it after that. Our episode three, we'll release that on January 7th. So kind of a, a tee-up to the trade deadline week. Uh, and then hopefully after that, Darren Ritchie can come in and talk about whatever moves he made. And then we'll uh, push on and uh, hopefully uh, push for the playoffs as we enter the 2020 calendar year. <sighs> Unbelievable. Can, can you believe, just okay, for a second. That was game 32 that on was, Friday night. Yeah, and home game 16. It's, 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 yeah. it's funny, how, by the way, how, how we count our months yeah. and lives in terms of games, if it's a way, total games or home games. But yeah, home game 16 already. This year has been flying by. I can't believe we're already here. But Christmas break, uh, much needed. Uh, but you know what? That Teddy Bear Toss game. I'm already kind of missing it. Like, what a great game though for the fans to. That's to one of the on. funnest games of the year for us to even get ready for. Just everybody's in such a good mood beforehand. You're like you're hoping it goes well, but it pretty much always goes Your well. Your biggest fear is getting shut out. I think, isn't it? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's you never want to even jinx that. Yeah. Like you know, n- nothing is worse than third period's over and you got to throw the teddy bears on the ice and people are disgruntled. I had to make but, a joke though. Pete Gerlinger in our pregame show on Friday night. I asked who his pick was. He picked Chad Nychuk. Of all guys to score the teddy bear toss goal, he went with a defenseman. So, I mean, good for Chad. He's had a great year. But I thought, come on, Pete, you've been around a lot longer than that. you got to go with a trigger man like Ridley. That would have been my first pick. Why? Well, I picked Goody. I thought he might get you know it what? back-to-back years. I just thought there's something about the local guys yeah. that they just really want to play well with it. But uh, I went with Slamy, so I was wrong, too. <laughs> well, we want to wish everybody a, a happy holiday season and a safe holiday season. And, uh, you know, from, from both of us and from the organizations, both the team and the radio station uh, and everybody involved, uh, we want to wish you a safe, happy holiday season. We hope to see you back at the rink on the 27th against the Winnipeg Ice. And thank you so much for listening to this. We really do appreciate it. Uh, new endeavor for 2019 and looking forward to coming back and uh, figuring out uh, all the wrinkles and having a great 2020 with you Brandon. We'll see you in January. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.